Hey guys, welcome back to the Resurrecting the Mind, Body, and Soul podcast. We are now on Season 2, Episode 5. What is visceral fat and why should we care? Hope you enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Resurrecting the Mind, Body, and Soul podcast. With Brian and Debbie Godowski. We are back and we are now on Season 2, Episode 5. This is a very interesting topic today, but I am looking very much forward to sharing it and talking about it. And that will help it sink in to me. Yeah. And, and and understand it more as we go through this today. Yeah, I I am as well. This is one of the many things that I'm very passionate about, and one thing that I know impacts my health greatly. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, before we dive in, let's just um, mention uh, our episode last week. Um, it was regarding the cancer revolution and uh-huh. your part of that right and uh, we talked about takeaways last week and I've just really been thinking about that I've been thinking about the other three people that sat on the panel with you and uh-huh. and uh, what they have learned and what they're sharing you know their purpose in life now right and um, as well as you uh-huh. so this whole field this whole space of health and wellness that's you have found your thing yeah i believe so i definitely can't go a day without learning something new or you know thinking about what i'm doing to improve on what i know Mm -hmm. yeah and there's just so many things that we can do to take back our health to prevent disease to improve you know chronic disease and and what's even more fascinating in some aspects is how to actually reverse chronic disease right and you know you and Maggie and Pablo and Allison on that panel you are living proof of this Mm -hmm. and so um, you know our journey now is to learn as much as we can about improving our health and the health of our families and you know sharing that with other people yeah and i think it's important to note that it's not really i mean it is but it's not really about just improving our health it's about improving our life you know the quality the quality of our life and without your health you can't really experience life to its fullest that's true from my point of view anyway that's true and i think the more we hear that the more it's going to sink in and the more it's going to make sense and you know in our everyday life that is not the messages that we're getting no it's all about that immediate satisfaction and and it kind of disregards the you know the long-term effects of everything that you're doing and what we really want to concentrate on and share is how you can really have a good health span instead of a mm-hmm. you know a decent lifespan yeah because so many of us myself included up until a few years ago just thought that the aging process 
is what it is. Yeah. That there are certain things that are going to happen as we age. There are certain diseases that we're going to get. There are certain things that hap- are going to happen to our body, and there's not really anything we can do about it. It's just something that we have to accept. And Yeah, and why wouldn't you think that way? I mean, that's what's true. preached in the that shows you watch, the the news you hear and see. I mean, that's just what's practiced and what's preached is this is what's gonna this is what it's gonna look like at this age this is how you're gonna feel and just laugh about it and Mm -hmm. continue on yeah and when you get these certain symptoms when you get the these certain chronic diseases this is the medication that will you know save you or this is the medication that you need to take yeah you're supposed to get to this age and start this medication Mm -hmm. because of this yeah well the the sad thing the thing that really just burdens me is um, I am now seeing that in my circle right and I was having a conversation with somebody the other day who has had a heart attack at age 50 uh-huh. had an, a second one and he is now 65 and in my conversation with him he shared you know he's on like five medications and without turning the conversation solely into my preaching or, right. or my sharing I just asked him a few questions and I wanted so badly to say can we really talk about this can i really share but you have to that's a fine line yeah that's a fine line for one i'm not a medical professional so um i just uh, you know people might not uh, you know look to me for that kind of information um well they should well um i i that's my mission that's my purpose and you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna put it out there and see, you know, if 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 it does help people, if it does get people in a different direction. But let's go ahead and get into this topic of visceral yeah, fat. Let's do it. So first of all, this information is coming from a podcast, a fascinating podcast. It's it's a, a long one. It's actually considered a master class because there's so much information involved. And it's a Drew Proet uh, podcast. And his guest um, was Dr. Sean Amara. Right. And uh, so he his life's work is now looking at visceral fat. Yeah. And he has uh, he shared how he is tracking this and the improvements that his patients are making following his the strategies that he has found yeah. will improve that. So, Bud, tell it. Why don't you tell our audience what is visceral fat? Yeah, the visceral fat is not the fat that you see; it's the fat that surrounds your organs and. You know, even you know the fittest person out there that you're looking at may have a lot of visceral fat, and they may not know it. Um, but visceral fat is the dangerous fat, and visceral fat is the type of fat that can give you diabetes, can cause cancer, it can cause heart disease, you know, all sorts of problems. And some people just don't even know that they have it, and some people maybe doing certain things to think they're preventing that but turns out they may not be right and so 
There's a few different kinds of fat that we have in our body. You know, the subcutaneous fat, that's fat that we have below the surface of our skin. And uh, it, there's a Goldilocks principle there. You know, too much yeah. is not good and uh, not enough is not good. And so right. it's that just right factor. Yeah. Um, but then this visceral fat, uh, it's, uh, it causes inflammation in our body, chronic inflammation. And, and as we know, inflammation is the root to all chronic diseases. Exactly. So it's not... Not, o- not only co- chronic diseases, but just your simple everyday cold. You know, oh, if, you, if you're having, system. yeah, if you're having chronic inflammation, you're going to experience more of those common colds or, mm-hmm. you know, just those every other day sicknesses that you come across because right. your body isn't able to, your body's immune system isn't able to effectively take it down when it, you know, comes across it. Right. I, I heard a description of what is actually happening when we become inflamed and so it's it it is on a cellular level and when we are exposed to certain toxins uh, lifestyle choices um, what happens is there are certain chemicals that go into our cells and it restricts the receptors in those cells to take in the nutrients that we need right. and so our body is just it's it's trying it's a defense mechanism it's it's you know we it's like we've talked about before every single thing we put in our body every single lifestyle choice we make is going to affect our body it has to do something with that information right and so inflammation is basically our cells are full of stuff that should not be there right and the good stuff can't get in exactly it's just floating around in your body well or it's going into our cells and and plugging them up that that's the way i picture it in in my mind after you know learning about this process so Uh, this visceral fat this is dangerous stuff absolutely and think most of us can relate to you know the term muffin top or dad bod you know it's that puffiness it's that uh, fat that we see around our middle yeah not only your middle but especially in your face yes you know I experienced this big time when I was you know going through my troubles and uh, I probably had tons of visceral fat like I mentioned before, probably pre-diabetic, maybe diabetic, who knows. I felt like crap, um, but during that time, looking back at the pictures, my face was extremely inflamed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I came across intermittent fasting and got that into my life, you know, I lost that belly fat. And then before that, my uh, face really thinned out. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was quite incredible. Dr. Amara actually uh, addresses the face and he said you can tell how healthy a person is by looking at their face. Absolutely. Yeah, knowing what I know now, that's absolutely true. 
Yeah, and I'm like you, looking back on pictures, you know, a few years ago, it's just, it's just incredible, the inflammation, yeah. you know, that, that I saw in my face. Um, so, what we want to share today is, first of all, let's make it very clear, is you do not want visceral fat. No. And the fat around our middle, um, which happens, you know, it happened to me, I had it. Um, but I thought that that's just the way it was going to be right. because I was in my 60s and um, I was not told any different. And then, you know, the whole intermittent fasting happened and I didn't expect to lose weight in that. I just wanted to be healthier. I wanted to see if it gave me more energy. But the the fat around my middle, it, it disappeared. Right. And that was not an intention of mine, but it happened because of what was happening in my body. Yeah, it was a great uh, symptom of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the scary thing about visceral fat is it's invisible. And, right. you know, you do have that fat around the middle that is very obvious, but the really dangerous part of visceral fat is it collects around our organs. Right. And... Uh, a very serious uh, part of that is uh, cardio fat. Uh So a person's uh, amount of visceral fat is directly linked to cardiovascular disease. So if somebody has visceral fat, then they most likely are on their way to cardiorespiratory issues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then also, you know, you've got fatty, the non-fatty alcoholic uh, liver. Right. So you mentioned to me that you're now listening to Peter Atia's book. Right. And you are learning about this non-alcoholic uh, fatty liver disease. Yeah, I mean, he was. I'm at the point in the book where he's going back to a point of his life where he is operating on patients and they're coming across many livers that looked like, you know, it looked like an, a liver that an alcoholic would have, you know, tons of fat around it and tons of fat around the organs. And they were coming to a conclusion that no, that, you know, not only can alcoholics have this, but, you know, other people can have this non-alcoholic fatty liver. And I don't know if that was a thing back then or not, but that's, you know, where they were at at that time and that's when they discovered how bad visceral fat was and how you can actually have that without just alcohol. Mm-hmm. And that is caused, one of the things is this ultra processed food that we're eating. Uh-huh. And you know, years ago, heart surgeons, when they would do you know surgery, they would see these fat deposits around someone's heart and they assumed that it was from fat. Right. But we now know that is not caused from the fat that we eat. No. It's caused from sugar. Right. And carbs. Yeah. That is what is causing these fatty deposits throughout our body. Right. So, um, Dr. Omara goes into some strategies of how to improve this. And there, I, I came up with this acronym that helps me remember uh, what is causing 
this visceral fat okay. and and it's P-A-S-S-E, so passe. Passe. So the first one, P, is? Processed foods. So we don't want this to be true. No. We want to be able to eat the things that taste so, so good, good yeah. that are designed to get us hooked. Right. Right? We want that to be okay. Yeah. But it is not. It's not okay. If, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I've said this before. I think it's very important to understand that processed foods are going to cause major issues in your health. And for me, I do enjoy some processed foods every now and then, but I think it's important to know that you have to have a majority of your food coming from whole foods. I'm not talking you can have processed foods three to four times a week. No, I'm talking, yeah, maybe it's okay to have it once a week or, or so. I'm not saying that's the end-all, be-all, but for me, that's that's where I'm coming from. I'm okay with having processed foods once a week and the rest being whole foods because for me, if I'm not habitually eating processed foods, my body's, you know, metabolizing everything properly. It's I'm feeling great. But it, when it comes to a point where I'm habitually, routinely eating that stuff, I can really feel and see the effects of my body. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a key point. So once we get our bodies into a healthy state, then we can uh, have those things. Yeah. And our body can bounce back. It, you know, our metabolism adjusts. But I, but I have to say this. Yeah. Um, there are certain foods that I have decided that I have to stay away from because I can't stop eating them. Uh -huh. And uh, one in particular are chips. Like I, I could eat chips just all day long, every yeah. day, and I and I used to sadly. Uh, you know, years ago when I was working and I'd come home and it was just dad and I at, at home, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd get out a bag of tortilla chips and that's what that we had for dinner. dinner. Yeah. I mean, and that's not an exaggeration. No, I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so sad. And now what I do, I, I don't buy the chips because I it's just it's just not a food I can control but yeah. we do go out and you know, one of our favorite meals is Mexican yeah and that's when I'll have uh, the tortilla chips with some good old tableside guac exactly yeah. so um, so I think that this choice of whether you eat uh, you know ultra processed foods is has to be individual yeah I totally agree. Yeah, if you're starting out on this journey, I would not recommend having processed foods in your diet. However, once you get, you know, in a, on a right track, develop that consistency with consistency with your diet nutrition. Yeah, it's okay to you know have it every now and then, but you gotta stay. You've got to keep it under control. You've got to have some sort of baseline to go back to so you don't get you know hooked back on it i think that an important piece to all this is we have to know our why yeah you know why are we wanting to get healthier or even a bigger question is are we wanting to get healthier right you know i've, I've talked to a few people and um 
sadly they're just going through some life stuff and that's just not on the forefront for them they're just trying to get through day by day and so I get that I've been there Um, but one thing that I started visualizing but that has helped me is is in different areas of my life and we can use uh, I, you know what what I eat as as a starting point so I picture a target yeah and that bullseye in the middle is where I feel I need to be uh-huh. and for me that is eating mostly whole foods yeah and so that's my target and then each ring you know stemming from that moving away from that target is challenges for me and that last ring is what for me would be a really bad diet eating things that i know are going to cause harm things that are setting me up and i have to visualize how close do i want to get to that target right what am i willing to do yeah to get to that target or how good do you want to feel the next day? And and that's another piece. We've talked about this. Yeah. People don't know how they're supposed to feel. Right. And yeah, going back to what you said of people, some of the people that you talk to, they don't they don't see being healthy as part of their plan or priority right now. But what I really want to enter, reiterate or talk about is those people that say that they don't understand that being healthy and taking priority in your health makes those everyday things that you're talking about and worried about and stressing about so much easier to not only take on but uh, accomplish and you know move on to the next thing it's and dealing with stress becomes so much easier when you're healthy and you know every it just makes everything so much easier so when you talk about it's too hard to get healthy well just think about when you are healthy it makes everything so easy so you're looking at it kind of backwards yeah i i totally get your point um what i am thinking about though bud are the days that uh i was really struggling yeah and um you know we were going through some some pretty difficult uh, things that life threw at us and that's the times that I'm talking about and I think my message to people because I know people right now that are going through some devastating things right. and they you know they might not even be listening to this podcast I, I don't know but my message is you know try just try to hold on to some hope right. just don't completely give up and I think that on the cancer revolution docuseries that was a message that you and and your I think we can call them buddies now right on the the cancer thriver panel um, brain cancer thriver panel um, that was a huge message that that you all had and and so I would say for people that are going through some really maybe a hard diagnosis they've received for themselves um, maybe maybe they feel like their health is at a point that there is just it's just going to be too hard right. so i would you know my message is just please 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 take a second look at that just 
do go ahead well yeah I think it all comes down to gratefulness you know if you're sitting here listening to this and you're having trouble holding on to that hope just think of you're able to listen to a podcast you're alive I mean how grateful or how amazing is that you're alive in this world you may have some kids you may have a parent or parents you may have a brother or sister have some friends how grateful are you for that or just find something you'll you're grateful for you know it can be as easy as you're grateful for waking up alive you know if somebody came up to you and offered you two million dollars would you take it absolutely but if they said hey i'll I'll offer you two million dollars but you can't wake up tomorrow would you take Mm. it no you wouldn't Mm -hmm. so being alive and you know just alive in itself is worth more than two million dollars so you know take that for what it is and be grateful for just being alive yeah that practice of being grateful is proven to uh, help our health across the board and you're right you're right i i just i think i just want people to to just have hope yeah i mean if you're alive and you have some kind of diagnosis or something you're deal with, dealing with, I mean, you're here, so you have an opportunity to overcome that. That's something to be grateful for in itself, so that should give you help mm-hmm. to, you know, continue on, improve, and grow, and get past whatever challenge you're dealing with. Yeah, and I think before we move on to the next one, I, I have to say, you're not preaching something that you haven't gone through yourself. So you're coming from experience. Yeah, absolutely. There's been many days in my life where I've woken up and been like, you know, what am I doing? I mean, why am I here? Mm -hmm. But for some reason, back in those times, I kept on thinking to myself, well, I survived that car wreck that where Mm -hmm. I flipped my truck four times. For some reason, I survived that. For some reason, I'm still alive today. So that yeah. gave me hope and a belief that, hey, I'm still here for a reason. I got something to do here on this planet. So if you're sitting there listening to this podcast and you're feeling down, you're alive. You're, you still have a reason to be on this earth. You get, still got something to prove. You got something to show somebody. You, you're here to help somebody do something else that you may not know about it right now, but you're alive and well. Be grateful for that. I couldn't say it any better, but that's, that was that was very powerful. Um, all right, so let's move on to the second strategy um, that Dr. Omara has has given us, and that is the A. Alcohol, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is proven that alcohol produces visceral fat. Yes. This is another one that, for me, I don't want that to be true. Right. I don't want the fact that alcohol is harmful to our body, I don't want that to be true. No. But it is. Absolutely. And so this is one that I've really had to work on because I enjoyed wine. I loved wine. I loved the experience. I loved the calmness, um, all the things. Yeah. But for me, 
I have learned that I can't drink it. I can't have a glass of wine because if I do, then I'm setting myself up to a glass every night, then yeah. two glasses every night. And that's where I was a year ago. Right. Um, as I was having two glasses of wine. And there's different reasons for that, but um, I was using it to medicate my feelings, I think. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. That's why I am currently on 80 days of no alcohol. Um, not only to reduce the visceral fat, but I know it really affects my sleep. Mm -hmm. And right now, as you know, I'm training for a marathon and I've got to sleep. I've got to recover. Otherwise, I'm not going to, you know, hit my goal. And alcohol for me was, like you said, I think it does, you know, cause you, not cause you, but helps you deal with some feelings and maybe put you into a relaxed state, maybe a more fun state. And that absolutely, absolutely does for me. You know, it doesn't make me an angry person like it does for some. It has no negative side effects as far as my personality. The only negative side effects for me is the consequences it has on my sleep and my recovery and, of course, the visceral fat. Mm -hmm. Okay. So speaking of sleep, this is the third strategy that was mentioned in this podcast and sleep as we've talked about before our quality of sleep um, impacts our health tremendously and because of the stress that lack of sleep puts us in it yeah. causes visceral fat that Absolutely. is one of the reasons of visceral fat and so um, getting a handle on that this is a hard one for me yeah it's a hard one for most people mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't even realize it either right right and I'm I'm trying to figure that out but um, I'm like you I I could track the stress that I had when I had alcohol I could look at my watch in the yeah. morning and it was like just lit uh, bright red throughout the yeah, night it's amazing what those sleep trackers can do yeah yeah, yeah so, Emily had no idea that she had a sleep issue until we got these Garmin watches and it's like whoa yeah she's not getting any deep sleep she's waking up this many times a night so mm -hmm. you know she found out she had sleep apnea but yeah. yeah sleep is huge and it's probably the most important thing for me right now as far as my health yeah and there's things that we can do we can limit um, our you know phone yeah. Uh, exposure, you know, looking at the the harmful bright light at night. We can get our rooms cool, you know, set the temperature lower. Yeah. That's shown. Yeah, cooler temperature, Emily, definitely at least 60 or below, 67 or below, um, not 70 or higher. <laughs> no. I feel yeah. like that's pimp M. I think that was for you right yeah, there. Yeah, so cooler temperature, turn off the lights, turn off the phone. If you do have to look at your phone, put on some blue light blockers. You know, there's some evidence on there that yeah. it helps. Yeah. Um, eat earlier, um, mm -hmm. drink less water as it gets later because um, you don't want to be waking up, you know, having to pee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's tons of things you can do to improve your sleep. Right, right. 
chronic stress is the fourth one. Um, so that everybody has stress. Yes. They're, they're, that's just life. Right. And uh, sometimes, you know, that's stress with a capital S, and sometimes it's stress with a, you know, a lowercase S. Yeah. It just a, but it's going to be there. It's going to be there all the time. So um, different people can use different modalities to improve that. And, yeah. You know, you can use breathing um, techniques. You can use meditation. Um, you can, if you're really having something in your life that is causing this stress, then sometimes we just have to eliminate what is causing that stress. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking back on, you know, I always try to think of what caused my brain cancer. Mm-hmm. And it, it really comes down to this, I think, for me. I think I had, had chronic stress and I just ate like absolute garbage all the time, processed food, as we already mentioned. And, you know, Darren, before I got diagnosed with this, I was working at a standstill job for a long time and I was constantly stressing about how am I going to move up here? I hate this job. You know, how am I going to provide for a family long term with this kind of job? I was just constantly stressing about this. And not only that, but eating like, (laughs) eating like horribly. And I think that's what ultimately caused brain cancer for me honestly mm-hmm. and also we were drinking a lot of, at that time you know that was the party phase of our marriage you know with our friends so I think that's what really drove me to have brain cancer mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder about that too I wonder a lot about what caused that and as as a as a mom there's a lot of guilt there's a lot of questions there's a lot of what could I have done differently um, to keep you from having to go through that and I think to your point um, there are you know genes do play a role in disease um, but they now know that that role is a lot smaller than what we thought yeah and there's something called epigenetics right and that's where our genes that might be that we might have our um, environment and our lifestyle turn on and off particular genes and so you know and and i and i think because right around the time that you had been diagnosed i worked with a young girl and her three-year-old son was diagnosed uh, with brain cancer Mm -hmm. and it's like what in the heck right why does a three-year-old child yeah get brain cancer that's one I'll never be able to answer that's for sure yeah and and he had multi-form so they he just kept these tumors just kept growing in his head and and um, his name was Liam, and yeah. um, just I don't know. He passed. Right. You know, he, he he went in, and I think six weeks later, you know, he passed. And mm. I don't understand it. I there are things that we are not going to understand. Right. But um, I choose to believe that there are things that we can do to 
honor our body for one thing yeah and to try to remain as disease free as we can absolutely and not only for ourselves but for our families yeah i think that's what it really comes down to is who are you doing it for and for me it's my family mm -hmm. and it makes everything so much easier even though it's hard yeah yeah um so the last one because we're coming up on our time yeah. the last one is e and um, this is this is your fave. Um, it's about exercise. Yeah. The interesting thing that Dr. Amara found is that too much exercise causes visceral fat. Right. And the reason for that is long distance runners, bodybuilders, so you're constantly putting your body under stress. And so our body struggles and strives to stay in homeostasis it, right. stri it strives to stay in a balanced state yeah. and so when we put our body you know continuously through over and over you know these types of exercises and this type of stress it's trying to survive yeah and so it forms visceral fat as a, a way of survival right it's, it's you know what they call starvation mode yeah yeah, so it's like, okay, here we go, you know, got to have some kind of fat in here for energy, but the thing to know about visceral fat is that's not the kind of fat that's going to give you the energy and build the body that you want. Right, exactly. No, I, I knew we were going to talk about this when I heard that podcast, because you're, as or most people know that listen to this podcast is I am training for a marathon right now and a marathon is you know a lot a lot of running and high you know tons of miles uh, a lot of stress on the body um, but for me it all comes down to what your goal is my goal right now is to train and run a marathon I haven't come up with my time yet, but I will be running the entire time or until I fall down on my face. Mm -hmm. um, but that's my goal right now. Visceral fat, yeah, I'm going to keep it low. I do incorporate high-intensity exercises throughout my week to, you know, control that and also, you know, burn some of the fat that I do want off. Um, but running a marathon and running those miles is my goal. Um, but going back to when I first started intermittent fasting, <clears throat> and losing that visceral fat so quickly is the type of exercise that I was doing when I first started intermittent fasting was high intensity. You know, I was doing a lot of kettlebell swings, a lot of plyometrics, a lot of high intensity stuff. And, you know, looking back at it now, that's exactly why I lost that visceral fat so fast along with the intermittent fasting is that high intensity rather than the cardio. I didn't introduce, you know, running until, you know, it's probably two and a half years ago now. Yeah. But that came, you know, I would say six months to a year after I started intermittent fasting. Yeah, so, I would say so. But yeah, the, the, it, the visceral fat flew off with the high intensity exercise. One thing, um, two more points I'd like to make before we close. Um, Dr. Amara has found in his studies that sprinting, yeah. which is a type of high intensity uh -huh. um, exercise, that has is showing um, 
the dec a decrease uh -huh. in visceral fat. One of the best exercises Absolutely. to do that. So you think, well, how, do, how does he track this? How does he show this? Well, he does MRIs. Yeah, those MRIs were incredible. Right, and he has found that being able to show his patients a visual of what is actually going on in their body with visceral fat, rather than giving them a number, trying to determine, oh, you've got this percentage of visceral fat in your yeah. body. Um, so the in doing these MRIs, fat will show up as white. Right. And he has had he had one patient that was um, thin on the outside, yeah. fat on the inside, and he actually fainted from, um, he, he was just overwhelmed when he saw because he thought he was healthy. Yeah, what, and, are you talking about the marathon runner? Um, he was, well, I think he, he was a marathon runner, and so he had been running like an incredible amount of miles every it, week I think it was he was running like 10 miles a day a day yeah and over a period of time you know the his body had built up a lot of visceral fat and so he substituted his long distance running for sprinting right and the improvement in the visceral fat it, it and it's proof on, in the MRI you know you can't deny that yeah, there's so. no question. You know, you go to any fitness expert out there, they'll tell you sprinting is by far the best exercise you can do. Not only will it burn the visceral fat, but it'll burn the fat that the you know the fat that you want to see on your body on the outside of your body. It'll burn that. Not only that, but it'll increase your testosterone, which will in time burn more fat. Okay. Um, so yeah, sprinting is amazing. So that's something that I'm going to do, but I want to start doing that. But um, I know that this has to be done in a smart way because if somebody goes from not doing any sprinting to doing it, you could really cause some injury. So speaking on that, I do have that echo bike in my garage, and that's pretty much exactly like sprinting, just in a controlled way. So... Oh. Let me know when you're ready to try that hey, out. Hey, <laughs> I might take you up on that. And also, I know shoes are really important in sprinting, so I'm going to need some help in getting some the right shoes, too. But, yeah, I, I, I want to try that bike. Yeah, I know Trace is probably cracking up right now because he's thinking, oh, she has no idea how hard that is. <laughs> Dr. Trace... You probably are right, but it's it's something that is it's one of those things that I'm hearing, and it and it's like my body saying, "Yeah, girl, you're supposed to do this, but just be careful." Yeah, everybody needs to get some high intensity exercise in their life. Love it, yeah. love it. Well, we are beyond our time. Yes, we are. So, to hurry up. Okay, all right. You got uh, things you got to do. I and do. I'm going to get to my mom's. We're moving her. And so, anyway, guys, um, we hope and pray that this has been good information for you. Uh, it's, it really only touched the surface. Yeah. Um, there's so much more involved in this, but um, we hope that you are intrigued by it as we are. Absolutely. We're here to help y'all. We'll see y'all next week. All right. Love you guys. Love y'all. Cheers. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us in that conversation. If you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to reach out to either one of us. And as always, if you found this episode to be valuable, please share it with your loved ones. 
We'll see you next week. Love y'all.